Good morning, hearty souls. Thank you for being here this, this morning. Thank you for coming out on such a, a blustery cold day. Good morning and welcome to the Unitarian Church of Edmonton. My name is Gordon Ritchie and with Karen Mills, we have the pleasure of not only being the choir directors of our church choir, Coriolis, but also your service leaders this morning. The Unitarian Church of Edmonton is a liberal, multi-generational religious community. We celebrate a rich mosaic of free-thinking, spiritual-questing individuals joined in common support and action. We welcome diversity, including diversity of beliefs from divine believers to humanists, from pagans to atheists and agnostics. We believe in the compassion of the human heart, the warmth of community, the pursuit of justice, and the search for meaning in our lives. We gather with gratitude this morning on traditional Cree lands that are now part of Treaty 6 and shared by many nations. A treaty is an inheritance, a responsibility, and a relationship. May we be good neighbors to one another, good stewards to our planet, and good ancestors to all our children. We'd just like to mention a few things about our service this morning. This is our annual Teze-style service. The Tizé style of service, of worship, was developed by a Catholic priest, Brother Roger, who lived in a small town in Tizé, France. And he wanted to have music become a form of worship. So there's a very specific style of music that was developed for this particular worship. There are two Tizé hymns that you'll find in our hymn book, which we'll be singing later today. And you'll also notice that after we sing a particular piece of music, or listen, or after a reading, there will be a moment of quiet meditation. This is traditional within the Teze style. And you'll notice candles as well, which are a key point within this style of worship. And we'll get to our candles later on in the service. You will notice a couple mics here, our wondrous sound techs are experimenting with recording the choir. A lot of our services are posted, and so we're hoping that this way the choir will be able to be posted as well. And so let us begin our service with a prelude. Thank you. 
black theme for the month of February is racism. And so for our first reading, being human means we are of this earth. May we recognize and abandon the familiar attitudes and practices that do not serve the whole. We are who we are. And we have the opportunity to be who we want to be, to create a new inheritance for the future. May our thoughts, words, and actions in our daily lives assist in dismantling paradigms of oppression and suffering. May we give thanks for our individual place in time and space to our families and our relationships that touch and change us. May we give thanks to the wise teachers who help us remember how to be and to change to make it so. Underneath and within these stories and histories is our humanity. Being human means we are of this earth. We are these waters. We the fire, the atmosphere. We are the sun and the moon and the stars. We are all that we see and the wisdom is revealed by looking in between. I would ask Doug to come forward and light our chalice this morning. In these hard times, let us look first to the response of love. In the midst of challenge, may our chalice flame bear witness to the inherent worth and dignity of every human being. In the midst of uncertainty, may our chalice be a beacon of encouragement that our values may guide our choices. Let us first look to the response of love. Thank you, Doug. Our first reading is by Margaret Weiss. Holy One, our hearts are weary and tired and are breaking. Our hearts are stretching as they are pulled and pushed, bruised and battered by all the suffering and brokenness and pain. Our ears are ringing, ringing with harsh words, with yelling, with gunfire that echoes in our streets and takes lies of innocence without cause. We have heard stories of inequity and justice, but our eyes burn from the instances of iniquity, racism, and injustice that illustrate we are still far from where we hope to be. Our mouths speak words of hope, of courage, and of truth, and at times we find that words do not do no justice. The brokenness feels too big. Our bodies, our collective bodies, built for lifting one another up, are built for holding each other in love. They're being used against one another as weapons, and the ammunition is hatred and fear. Spirit of life and love, in this time of dissonance, in this holy time of urgency to speak for those who cannot speak for themselves, help us to find our voice. Help us to see beyond this brokenness to a time of healing and true community. 
Help us to remember that the only journey toward healing is one that is paved through humility, acceptance of responsibility, and counteracting complacency. Ours is not a solitary journey, but one taken together, bolstered by deepening, deep listening, and deeply rooted in love. May we find the strength needed for the journey here in this place and in all places where people gather in love, humanity, and for justice. Our first hymn you'll find in your little teal book, hymn number 1008, When Our Heart is in a Holy Place. I invite you to rise in body and spirit as we join in singing hymn number 1008. Our community is entirely self-governing and self-supporting. One of the privileges our free church tradition is to provide all of the financial support for our many ministries from among ourselves. Generosity, therefore, is one of the spiritual values we recognize as central to our uh, personal and institutional well-being. In addition to supporting the church community, we also make a monthly uh, commitment beyond our walls. One half of the unidentified cash that is received is given to an outside organization. Some are local, some national, some international. For the month of February, we will be supporting 
iHuman Youth Society. The offering will now be received. Let us join in our offering response.
how do we discuss the truth that some men love men and some women women and some both with the children in the church school and church home? Nonchalantly. Without drum roll. Without tiptoe preparations. Without calculating and predicting to the nth degree with candor, with open ears, with unfailing tenderness, with one foot in the realm of God and the other foot on that solid earth made of the ashes of Radcliffe Hall, Auden, Da Vinci, Emma Goldman, Susan B. Anthony, and Mark DeWolf, with real hope in purpose and thanksgiving in our pulse, with the full iris of our living tradition in the eye, without using the inherent Augustinian scalpel that splits flesh from spirit and pleasure from good, without homilies on toleration, with the words, some of us, and not the words, them and they, which with as much heart as intellect, without embarrassment, with stories and examples as wonderful as the tale by Seuss, with rhapsodies on the glories of friendship, with gladness for uncertainties, with joy. Our first Tese hymn that we will sing together is in your little teal book, number 1047, Nada de Turbe, and is tradition within Tese service. There are usually many languages that are spoken, so I will encourage you to sing in Spanish this morning. Nada de Turbe, nada te espante, quien a Dios tiene nada le falta, nada de Turbe, nada te espante, sole Dios basta. Let us remain seated, and we will sing hymn, to, hymn number 1047. We'll be singing this a few times.
You'll find a responsive reading on the second page of your order of service. Words by Elizabeth Ketchum. I'll read the bold font and ask you to read the italicized text. With gratitude for the freedom to be our true, authentic selves. With the courage that comes from challenging fear. With sorrow for those who could not be here with us today, and in honor of those who died of AIDS or who lost their lives. With grief for those whose pain was unbearable and who left us too soon. Looking ahead to the justice still withheld. With the confidence that a sense of community banishes isolation and loneliness. With the rainbow flag flying high, a sense of beloved community among us and the joy that comes from making new connections. Let us remain seated as we sing our next hymn, number 1012, When I Am Frightened, 1012. Many years ago, in the land of Transylvania, 
in a mountain valley watered by quick rushing streams and shadowed by great forests of beech trees. There was a village of small wooden houses with dark shingled roofs. The people in this village were of the Unitarian religion, and they wanted a church of their own. A church set on the hillside, they decided, looking down upon the village as a mother looks down upon her sleeping child. So all the people of the village labored long and hard to build themselves a church. The stonemasons hammered sharp chisels to cut great blocks of gray stone, then set the stones into stout, sturdy walls. The glaziers made tiny glass panes and fitted them neatly into the windows with leaded lines. The foresters sawed tall beech trees into enormous beams and laid the trusses for the ceiling, then covered the roof with close-fitting wooden shingles that wouldn't keep a drop of rain in. The carpenters carved wood for the pair of wide opening doors, setting them on strong pegs so that the doors hung straight and square. A bell was brought from a faraway city, then hoisted by ropes with a heave and a hoe to the top of the tower. Then weavers wove fine cloths for the altar table, cloths embroidered with flowers and edged with lace. And smiths hammered black iron into tall lampstands and hammered thin bronze into shining oil lamps. Finally, when the building of the church was done, the painting of the church could begin. The painters mixed bright colors, royal red, shimmering gold, and brilliant blue. And everyone in the village, old and young, men and women, boys and girls, came to decorate the church. They painted flowers. They painted trees. They painted designs around the windows and different designs around the doors. At the end of the day, when it was finished, when the church was finally done, all of the people stood back to admire it and then to sing a song of happiness and praise. Their village had a church now a church set on the hillside, looking down upon the village as a mother looks down upon her sleeping child. We will eat now, announced an elder of the village, because everyone was hungry after their long day's work. And later tonight, we will come back to pray. So the people of the village went down the hillside to their homes and their suppers, all except one little girl named Zora and her father, who stayed behind. They had brought their own bread and cheese. They ate their food slowly, sitting on the grass on the hillside, and admiring their new church with its strong stone walls, its tall tower, and its magnificent bell. After they had eaten, they went back inside, opening up those carved wooden doors to go into the gloriously painted sanctuary inside. Oh, look, Father, cried Zora, running from picture to picture with her footsteps echoing off the stone walls. See how pretty this church is. She stopped in the center of the church and twirled slowly around. See how grand. 
Yes, it is, said her father, looking around and nodding with pride. Yes, it is. But father, she said suddenly, we have not finished. What do you mean? There are tall iron lampstands all along the walls, but there are no lamps. The church will be dark when the people come back. Ah, no, little one, said her father. The light of the church comes from its people. You will see. He rang the bell to call the people to worship, then took his daughter by the hand and led her back outside. They waited on the grassy hillside next to the beautiful church of strong gray stone. The sun had set behind the mountains. The night was coming soon. Yet in the growing darkness, tiny points of light came from many directions and moved steadily up the hill. Each family is entrusted with a lamp, little one, her father explained. Each family lights its own way here. Where is our family lamp? Your mother is carrying it. She will be here soon. The many lamps moved closer together, gathering into one moving stream, all headed the same direction, growing larger and brighter all the time. Zora's mother arrived, bearing a burning lamp in her hands. The father lifted Zora so she could place the family's lamp high in its tall iron stand. All around the church, other families were doing the same. Soon the church was ablaze with light in every corner, for all the people of the village had gathered to pray and to sing. All through the worship service, Zora watched the lights flicker and glow. She watched her family's lamp most of all. When the service was over, her father lifted her high. She took the shining bronze lamp from the lampstand. Its curved sides were warm and smooth in her hands. Her mother carried the lamp home with the flame lighting their way. The lamp fire lit their house when they were home. Zora washed her face and got ready for bed by the light of that flame. Mother, Zora began as she climbed into bed and lay down. Yes, little one, her mother said, tucking the red wool blanket over Zora's shoulders. Father said the light of the church comes from its people. Yes. But also the people take their light from the church. Over on the table by the fireplace, the shining bronze lamp was still burning. And we have that light every day? Yes, indeed, said her mother. And even when you are not in church, even when the lamp is not lit, we carry the light of truth in our minds and the flame of love in our hearts to show us the right way to be. That light, the light of truth and love, will never go out. Never? asked Zora. Never, said her mother. And this bronze lamp will last for many, many years. When you are grown, we will give the bronze lamp to you. And when your children are grown, you will give the lamp to them, and all of you will carry it back and forth to the church every time. But there is 
Only one lamp, Zora said. So make another. And let the light grow. And someday tell your children to make more lamps too. And now good night, her mother said, and kissed Zora once on this cheek and once on that cheek and once on the forehead. Zora closed her eyes and drifted into dreams while her mother looked down upon her sleeping child. The years passed. Zora grew. The bronze lamp came into her care. She kept it polished and clean. And when the bell rang out over the valley to call the people to worship, she carried the lamp back and forth to the church on the hillside, the flame always lighting her way. When the time came, she made more lamps and gave them to her children who made more lamps and gave them to their children, and so it went on through the years until even today. And always, the light of truth and the flame of love from that Unitarian church on the hillside continues to grow and show them and us the way. And so let us take a moment to light candles to light not only our ways, but the ways of those in our lives. You're invited to come forward to light a candle, joy, celebration, a milestone, a concern, a challenge for yourself, someone you love, someone you don't know. We will have an extended period of time to light candles this morning. So in your own time, I invite you forward.
Let us join in singing another Teze hymn found in your little teal hymn book. Number 1034, De Noche. We'll sing this one in English. I invite you to remain seated as we join in singing 1034. Our Community, written by Rabbi Andrea Goldstein. Source of all being, creator of life, may your goodness find its way into the hearts of all your children. May those who wield power do so with a balance of wisdom, justice, and compassion. May those who feel powerless remember their intrinsic worth and also act with a balance of wisdom, integrity, and compassion. May we all feel called to action based on the injustices of racism and see ourselves not as enemies of one another, not in struggle with one another, but as human beings created in the image of God, connected to one another's well-being. May all of us come to acknowledge the racism that is pervasive in our region and our nation. May we commit to sitting down with one another in honest dialogue, opening our hearts in compassion to one another, bearing witness to the pain and fear of one another, even if and especially if the other looks and seems so different from ourselves. May each of us come to understand that ultimately my experience of freedom, justice, 
and peace is inextricably linked to the freedom, justice, and peace of every other person in our county and city, our country, and our world. May we open our eyes to the invisible lines of connection that unite us and with clarity of vision continue to work for a world where every person's life is valued, cherished, and loved. Amen. Prayer to the Holy Spirit by Dermot Omerchu, Sacred Heart Missionary Order. Come, Holy Spirit, breathe down upon our troubled world. Shake the tide foundations of our crumbling institutions. Break the rules that keep you out of all our sacred spaces. And the dust and rubble gather up the seedlings of a new creation. Come, Holy Spirit, inflame once more the dying embers of our weariness. Shake us out of our complacency. Whisper our names once more and scatter your gifts of grace with wild abandon. Break open the prisons of our inner being and let your raging justice be our sign of liberty. Come, 
Holy Spirit and lead us to places we would rather not go. Expand the horizons of our limited imaginations. Awake in our souls dangerous dreams for a new tomorrow and rekindle in our hearts the fire of prophetic enthusiasm. Come, Holy Spirit, whose justice outwits international conspiracy, whose light outshines spiritual bigotry, whose peace can overcome the destructive potential of warfare, whose promise invigorates our every effort to create a new heaven and a new earth, now and forever. Amen. There is no middle ground by Arthur Solomon, Ojibwe spiritual leader. If we choose to be on the side of the great positive power, we have no choice but to set our hearts and minds against the destruction around us. But thought without action is useless. We must be on one side or the other and how we will involve ourselves must be the free choice of everyone. If we choose to act, we must act intelligently and with common sense. It means we will do everything in our power to understand the question we choose to involve ourselves with. But whatever we are, we must be action people,
even if the only action possible is to pray. I invite you now to join me, please, in the responsive reading. It's number 614 in the back of your hardcover hymnal. I'll read the regular text and invite you to read the text in italics. Then I was standing on the highest mountain of them all. And round beneath me was the whole of the world. And while I stood there, I saw more than I can tell. And I understood more than I saw. For I was seeing in the sacred manner the shape of all things of the Spirit. And the shapes that they must live I saw that the sacred hoop of my people was one of many hoops that make one circle, wide as daylight and starlight. To shelter all the children of one mother and one father. On the inside page of your program is an affirmation that I'd like to invite you to share reading with me. Entitled, Love is Our Greatest Purpose. We affirm that love is our greatest purpose. Accepting one another is the truest form of faithful living. The search for truth is our constant star. We pledge our hearts, minds, and hands to challenge injustice with courage, to find hope in times of fear, and to live out our Unitarian Universalist values every day as a beloved community. Thus do we covenant with each other and with all that is sacred in life.
it is a tradition within our community at the end of our services to rise and join hands, sing together our final chong, carry the flame. <laughs>